0: You
1: like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes.
0: What's the safe word? My haunt life.
2: Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, I am back from yes. a couple trips yes you are one of which we'll get into later which is super super exciting for me
1: yeah and i i'm actually just over the moon happy for for you yeah and we'll talk about that See, no spoilers. Yeah, no that's spoilers, like. literally, so, even of the own podcast. <laughs> so this is
2: kind of like a, a almost a commercial, like you have to tune in to the end and see. Actually, Stay... even though I'll probably put put it in the show notes. Yeah, that's true. And the title of the podcast. Stay tuned for this final plot twist. Yeah, if you're blind, though, then you are in for a surprise. Okay. Um, but first, we got mail. Uh, yes, we did. Um, we got two mails. Yes, we did.
1: Actually... We're two males. Yes, we are. Oh, that was dumb. I, I'm just going to continue agreeing yeah. with you until you get to the point. <laughs> okay,
2: um, but we got our new box of dreads, and you actually didn't get one. Yes, which is a bum out.
1: Uh, this is the beginning of like, I, I dare we say, like the rebirth of box of dread, because they've done a lot of recent uh, customer service surveys. They've gone to the people who've been subscribing for quite a while, and. They did a survey where they were asking people, what would you rather do? Would you rather have different types of things included in the box of dreads for a higher price? What about shipping costs? Do you want that included? And so they're upping their price point for future boxes of dread. And in that, apparently, uh, some of the customers, the lists got messed up a little bit, and some people didn't receive their last box of dread. But they, I know they are working on that. I've been in custom, in touch with their customer service, uh, and they've been very helpful. And supposedly, the one I have not received yet is on the way.
2: Cool. Well, I brought that one here so you can open it and be surprised and shocked and amazed. Oh,
1: cool! Excellent. So this is here the, you go. This, so this is the one you didn't get. Yeah, as Mike said, we have re- actually received supposedly two boxes of dread. So, uh, well, well I did. You yeah, did, you, you, you did. So cause cause you get everything. All right. Hold on. Oh my God. It's completely full. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. I'm just going to, oh wow. A couple of times. Oh wow. Those are beautiful. I, 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 uh, <laughs> wow, this is like full of DVDs and characters and all right. So uh this is a Twilight Zone read
0: and this yeah, because well,
1: yeah, that's true. All right. the curation. Uh this box was actually curated by Adam Green, the film director behind the Hatchet series. Mm-hmm. And uh, inside, there are two DVDs, including Hatchet 2 and Hatchet 3. Which are fantastic. So, yeah, tons of fun. Tons of fun. Uh, And and then also included in this is there is uh, posters and comic books of Lucia Fulci's zombie series, Mm -hmm. which is so freaking cool. Well, you didn't mention the two figures. Well, I'm getting to those. Yeah, but those are right on top. So, yeah. And then there's... um, Oh, uh, this is so this is so much fun uh two characters from the twilight zone classic television series including uh episode 98 the dummy which uh if you remember the 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 dummy the the um uh ventriloquist mm-hmm. episode and the infamous william shatner episode uh where he goes insane on a plane Uh, Of course, infamously written based on the writings of Richard Matheson, which uh, is a favorite author of mine. I feel like
2: Weird Al should redo Cypress Hill, Insane in the Brain, like Insane in the Plane. Oh, man.
1: (laughs) Yep. You and your music puns. So, um, uh, yeah, and there's also a Twilight Zone comic book. Uh, that's actually, that's, that, that's, getting into...
2: that's, that's a graphic novel. Russell. I was gonna that's say. not just a comic book. <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> that's getting into the graphic novel territory. Uh, that's beautiful. So yeah, this is, um, and there's a print. Uh, there, oh, there is a print and yeah, a magazine.
2: Uh, uh... Yeah. This one, it just keeps going down. This is like the magician's like suitcase where they pull out like, just keep pulling stuff out
1: oh wow uh you'll have to help me with the print uh it's reagan oh i'm sorry i didn't see it at first yeah it's a in artist interpretation of reagan from the exorcist signed that's that's very unique that's very disturbing also so, um wow and uh hold on i'm moving stuff around to get to the bottom of the box this this really is like christmas It's a Delirium magazine. Uh, Oh, covering things like Bloody Pit of Horror, Night of Living Dead. Wow, the new master of Mexican horror. So, oh, a history of a Mexican death culture. Like that. All right, that looks interesting. Gosh, they they really really have. uh, Now that they're having people guest curate and do all sorts of things with Box of Dread, Mm -hmm. uh, this is becoming a really really much more interesting series to subscribe to
2: especially for the price point because this box at that price point like is insane
1: right which uh was at this point was 19 dollars, correct
2: i believe so yeah yeah
1: and then they are upping that price point a bit but still uh completely worth it mm-hmm. so uh that was the one box of dread and here why don't you cover the other box of dread mike oh yay
2: And I just am randomly looking at a DVD that I let Russell borrow. Everyone should go listen to Switchblade Symphony. Just saying. Like, 90s cute girl goth.
1: Yeah, I would second that. Thank you for loaning that to me.
2: (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so the next box is, it looks like a takeover box. The whole box, it has a special design for a new movie called The Lodgers. Um, And it's being guest curated by someone you may know, Oren Pelley. Or p Lye. It's Peli as far as I know. Or, or let's just think of different ways to say things. Okay. <laughs> we can be like Kramer. Um, and you may know him from Paranormal Activity uh, in that series. And he guest curated this box. And there's two DVDs in here. One of them is Paranormal Activity. The cl- I mean, it, it, it's classic at this point. Yes, it is. Like, it's Definitely. weird to say because it feels like it was like yesterday that it came out. It does. So
1: it's like you—you've seen the poster I have upstairs, don't you? Uh,
2: I don't I know. think you have. Yeah, the I, one with the eyes cut out.
1: So, no. Oh. <laughs> so I have the. Uh, this is. I'm going to nerd out for a moment. Uh, I was at the very first public screening of Paranormal Activity, which took place at Screenfest LA here in Los Angeles, and I actually have the poster upstairs for it, framed, uh, because it was it was one of those truly special screenings. That by the end of the movie. Everyone in that audience knew, like, I don't know what the hell I just saw, but it was so cool and so creepy. Uh, and that was an earlier cut of the film, which uh, they did alter the ending before it got the mass release. And uh, it, it was quite a ways before the actual theatrical release. But uh, and this DVD apparently contains one of the original endings that they tested out. And I'm wondering if it's the ending that I saw at that. Screening. Okay. So, which was an ending where the police actually showed up. So I have funny stories about this. If yes. If you want me to share. Go go for it.
2: Um, so when this came out, it was one of those things where it was only playing at like the Arclight for a while. And mm-hmm. there was, and every screening was sold, was selling out. So my roommate and I at the time, we went to see it and we went to, you know, Stupidly, like a midnight showing, so we didn't get home till like two or three in the morning, and then we're like, we don't want to go to bed, so we stayed up, watched TV with the lights on, and I ended up sleeping on the couches.
1: Oh, that's very funny.
2: So then, because afterwards, like we would just pull pranks on one another, which is shocking for me, I know. Um, but there was one time when I went out dancing or something, and I didn't get home till like two or two thirty, and I go into my room. And I notice the like fishing line or something. And it's like, what the hell is this? And so I, I pick it up and it's like, it's like tied to my blanket. And so I pick, I follow it. And you've been in my house, like the old, the empty bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like I went back there and my roommate is in there. And all of a sudden he's just like, god damn it i waited up so long for you to get home and, and i was like what are you talking about he's like i had tied this to your curtains and your bed sheet and i was gonna make it move and think that your room is haunted and he he like stayed up. he had work or something in the morning and he stayed up to like 2 30 or 3 waiting for me to get home and it didn't there was no payoff
1: oh man but he sounds like a very cool roommate <laughs>
2: yeah i guess yeah. he was anyways uh so yeah so there's a paranormal activity dvd and there's also a dvd called let us pray and that's p-r-e-y um and that is from brian o'malley who is also um doing the lodgers which the the box is about oh the lodgers that's also the shirt that's included as you can hear in its poly bag. And then also there's a signed print from the Lodgers with Brian O'Malley's signature, as well as the writer-composer David Turpin. So this one's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: It definitely makes me want to see the movie, but I hope it's good because if not, it's kind of a bum out that <laughs> oh. there's like these things in here, you know?
1: No, but uh, it's also interesting, uh, if, you, if you look at the, the T-shirt design... It's like for a horror film, that's actually like a really bright, colorful design and yet still completely creepy. Yeah. Uh, I really like the t-shirt design. So congratulations, Box of Dread, man.
2: So yeah, I mean, these boxes of Dread, like I know I say this every podcast, but they just keep going like up and up. Like I'm so stoked on these.
1: Yeah. And they've really made an effort to reach out to the subscribers. And obviously, Mike, you and I have subscribed for quite a while now. Uh, they really did ask for input. They were asking for things that we wanted different or improved upon. And you see our feedback being incorporated into the boxes. Yep. Not a lot of other boxes or crates do that. Yeah, it's very cool.
2: So, for more information on Box of Dread, you can find them on the web at boxofdread.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, Box of Dread. And you went to see a show that I didn't get to see.
1: Yes. About a year ago, we went to a show from a company called Ceaseless Fun. The name of that show was called Why I Want to Fuck Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. And you and I had kind of differing views on the show. I think you liked it overall more than I did. Yeah. But the one thing that I loved about that show was there were certain scenes that really hit me and hit me hard emotionally. I thought... There were beautiful, graceful moments in the middle of that show. My problem with that show wasn't really the, the the It was more the structure of the show rather than the content. So it was it was the structure of the show that didn't quite work for me, and uh, it was it was leaning toward an open world exploration kind of vibe, uh, in an immersive format. Uh, they are back this year with a uh, a programming series of shows called The Outline of a Human, which they are calling a collection of thematically linked happenings that aims to define and describe the human condition through the use of negative space. The first show of apparently three was called "Agnosia," which I did not know that word, so I had to uh, do a little research. And apparently it means inability to interpret sensations and hence to recognize things typically as a result of brain damage. So uh, this was a a one-person-at-a-time show. You were the only audience member. It starred actors Emily Yedder, Dakota Loesch, and Scott Monahan. And, Mike, this was... uh, We talk a lot, you and I. (laughs) No, (laughs) we don't. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, About shows and, and the way things hit us. And this is the type of thing that, for me, I think is the most interesting thing going on with immersive theater right now oh wow is really really truly intimate moments And this show, uh, I, I don't know if they're planning on remounting this since it is part of a a three part series. I don't know if they're going to remount the whole thing as one show. I, I don't know. So I don't, I'm not going to get too spoilery, but I will say that what happens in the show is you show up at a, how many times have we had this happen? Show up at a parking lot somewhere in downtown Los Angeles for just to start a show (laughs) So that happened, and I met a young man who started talking to me about getting through life each day, step by step, and what he had to do to deal with what he was dealing with. And you got the setup before the show that this was about loss, this was about grief, and uh, he was walking me through the parking lot, and we wound up at a residence, and he asked me to go ahead... Of him because he couldn't quite handle going inside yet. So what this became when I went inside is I met the source of his loss. Oh, wow. So it was almost a ghost encounter. And so what happened is I learned and I saw glimpses of the relationship between this man and woman who obviously... They meant a great deal to each other. And I saw glimpses of what he was dealing with, what he had lost. At times, I helped him deal with it. At times, I wasn't able to help him deal with it. Now, as far as the technique of the show goes, Mike, this is one of those where they did some really clever path choices. There were times when I could choose to be with one character or another character, and yet both characters were in the same room the majority of the time. So, even if I chose to hear one side of a story, I would hear echoes of the story from the other character. It was fascinating. It was that's cool.: It was utterly fascinating. And it was it, it was sort of like being in the middle of a haunting and yet feeling a hundred percent present as if it were real. And yet, realizing that this would never be achievable again, and that this is something that had been lost forever, there was a great deal of sadness in the show. It was really, really a sad, touching experience.
2: What is going on with all the sad things lately?
1: There's a lot of sadness. There is, in like, the immersive... no joke,
2: yeah. man. Like, it seems like ever, like ever since Fringe. Yeah, like it's it... just like one show after another, and like, and that's not like that's just me noticing things that that's not me condemning or or like No, no, I don't think like it's that, condemnation it's at like, all.
1: I think it's a very fair observation. But man, yeah. so
2: hey immersive creators, some of us can't handle that anymore. <laughs> Please do happy things. Can't we have like an immersive clown thing or like I don't know, something happy. I'm
1: all over the immersive clown <laughs> thing. All over it. <laughs> so, uh I this was just so incredibly intimate and touching and just, I, I felt it was an honor to share the space with these characters. And I also have to give tribute to something. Uh, at the end of that sequence, you encountered one other person. This last character that I encountered, Mike, was not part of the direct story that started the show, yet he was a complete reflection of all the themes. So I I thought the show was over and I and this has happened to us before. I encountered someone else, and it took me a couple minutes to realize, oh wait, I'm still in the show. This is I, I thought I had encountered a random person and I hadn't encountered a random person. The show was continuing and I, I was still in it. And that particular character started to discuss loss of something else in his life. And he was looking for it. And the interesting thing I found about that was that sequence for me became about how you deal with loss and how you can justify it to yourself by hiding emotions, not dealing with loss, not dealing with grief. And this character was there. He said a couple of things to me of like, oh yeah, I lost this. This is bad. And it did mean something to me. But you know what? In the end, it's just, it's a loss. That sounds like me, like the last (laughs) few months. (laughs) So that was even more interesting to watch and see someone wrestling with that. And this was one of those scenes where we laughed it made me tense like he got really upset and I comforted him and it it just by the end of it I couldn't do anything because of the way he was choosing to deal with the grief and the loss so it left me feeling really unsettled and uncomfortable because I felt like I didn't I, I couldn't achieve anything I couldn't help him I couldn't I couldn't ignore him, but I couldn't help him and I couldn't change his situation. So, and for a theater piece with me just meeting these three characters to stir all of that up in about 20 to 25 minutes, I thought was a wonderful achievement. And for me, like I said, the show, uh, the Ronald Reagan show from last year to me was a wonderful experiment. The structure didn't quite work for me this piece Mike has gotten me so excited about where these people are going in the future.
2: That's awesome. Is it still going on?
1: Uh, no, this is, this was a limited run. I, like I said, this is supposedly part of, I believe a three chapter series. So, Uh, if they decide to remount it, which I'm sure they might, um, because other companies I know are following the structure and remounting the shows, uh, it will be interesting to see what they do. I would love to see this mounted again and have more people have the opportunity to see this show. I thought this was a beautiful, intimate piece. I really did. That's awesome, man. Did you cry? No, I didn't actually. All right. So, however, there was a really heartfelt, tender hug at one point during the show. And you know, I like hugs.
2: <laughs> You've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Whenever you see Russell out in the wild, hug him because he likes them.
1: So, yes, yes, Russell likes hugs.
2: Can we start a hashtag, hug Russell?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. Or actually. hugs for Russell, anything. So All right, you're... let's start this. <laughs> Oh, you'll have to forgive me, people. If you hear a weird rasp in my voice, it's because I've been fighting a bit of a cold. And every time Mike is making me laugh, I'm I'm fighting the urge to cough into the microphone.
2: Hashtag hugs for Russell after his cold is gone.
1: Yes, which hopefully will be in the next day or so. Uh, Unless
2: you want some of his germs inside you, and then that might just get
1: weird. uh, We're moving on. Um, uh, If you want more information about the company Ceaseless Fun, please look them up at ceaselessfun.com, on Facebook at ceaselessfun, on Instagram at ceaseless underscore fun. And Mike, after that, I think think the next thing that we did was an escape room experience.
2: Yes. And this is one that I have been waiting for to open for so long. I I think it might be a, a year at this point. We've
1: been aware of this for quite some time.
2: Yeah. And this is Stash House. And it is in Koreatown. So you can get Korean barbecue beforehand or after, depending on when you go. And I was really excited about this escape room specifically because it's being run and designed by uh, our friend Tommy. Tommy I was actually interviewed on Noah's podcast, no Proscenium, So check that out. Um, but he is just an overall good dude, but he is such an escape room nerd, like he's, you know, like you, th- like I think we're bad sometimes, and then I meet people like him, and it's like, oh, I've done like eight thousand and forty two, and I've escaped yeah. all of them in ten minutes, you know, like he, he's one of those guys where he just goes to every single one he can, and is constantly learning, constantly creating, constantly taking notes, has his fingers and everything, and so with that being said, having someone like that who's who's a fan create a room. it it was just, it was so exciting for me, you know, because if you look at other people who are fans that have created things, like, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Crossroads, Mm -hmm. like how much we love that room. Right. And that's because they're fans that created a room. Um, and Stash House, I'm happy to say is no different. Like this was awesome. Uh, there's, you know, just a, a brief overview, like there are different puzzles and, and we did escape and we're part of Ray Jones's crew now. And sorry, you, you, you go Russell.
1: No, that's correct right. <laughs> Uh, um, I have a slight couple of notes about this room that, that didn't quite work perfectly for me, but they're very, very minor. I agree with you. I love the variety of, what you have to do in this room and you know me it's story driven this room Mm -hmm. is incredibly story driven yeah so
2: let's say what the part of the first part of the story is
1: uh your group has been invited to a seemingly normal Koreatown apartment owned by a local entrepreneur to discuss a business opportunity those are all in quotes So, yes. (laughs) Uh, Shortly after arriving, you discover the apartment belongs to Ray Jones, notorious Los Angeles drug kingpin, and that Ray has a test in store for you. Find all the drugs hidden in the space and flush them before the cops arrive, or you will face the consequences. It's listed as an hour-long escape experience that explores the dark underbelly of crime in Los Angeles. Does your crew have what it takes to pass the test? And that is... So thematically prevalent mm-hmm. in the puzzles, in, how, uh, I was trying to think. If I say the culture of the puzzles, I don't know if that's going to translate. No, that makes sense um, because the the puzzles are based in the atmosphere and the mood of literally the location where they are mm-hmm. in town uh, and what the people involved in the storyline that they're setting up would be involved in listening to uh it's it's you know how they would decorate their apartment Mm -hmm. you know it's all incorporated and i thought that was the strongest thing about this was the fact that everything linked so heavily to the story Mm -hmm. and that really really impressed me and i think that's I think it's one of the the finest achievements in escape rooms we've encountered in in Los Angeles. It makes
2: you wonder what kind of places they hung out at to get it so perfect. All right, I'm glad you said
1: that. (laughs) I would say it's fair to say, Mike, that this is not a beginner-level escape room. Definitely not. This was extremely complicated in places. There's one puzzle that, even after the explanation, (laughs) I still don't think I totally understand... (laughs) How uh, but the people who who solved the puzzle understood it, so that that was fine um I find it a little odd when an escape room how do i uh see, I don't want to reveal anything so but there is a path in this escape room that isolates part of your team, and I don't mean isolates them.
2: Are you talking about what i did yes okay
1: that i that isolates them mentally. Mm -hmm. That literally takes them away from your team. Right. So here's my question. What if four people try to do this escape room? Yeah. That's going to be really tough. Mm -hmm. Because you're literally going to have to sacrifice a member to concentrate heavily on that. We've encountered things like that in other escape rooms and it's worked heavily against us. Right. So, well,
2: yeah, and especially for me specifically, my mentality was like, no, like, I'm almost done. Like, I'm not leaving until I figure this out. You
1: were getting snippy with people. What? Yes, you were. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. Trust me. I, that doesn't
2: sound like something I would do.
1: Oh, yeah, right. So, uh, but the other thing is the fact that everything. It was. It's also one of those escape rooms because everything is sort of intermingled so heavily into the story that we. Uh, part of the fun of this escape room for me was realizing, like, oh wait, like th- this seemed so trivial forty minutes ago, and now it's the key thing that we need. You know, it's one of those escape rooms. One thing that I will say about this is I feel that they could do a slight alteration to the ending uh, to make it more clear
2: what are you with hand motions? What exactly are you talking about?
1: Uh, the ending of this escape room happened for us and two people in our crew didn't even know that we'd finished the escape room. Oh, like letting you know you finished or no. The, last the puzzle. fact that literally one person could finish the escape room by themselves and everybody else in our group was double checking all the puzzles. Cause we weren't sure we had the correct solution. Oh, Okay. And so the escape room ended, the solution was found, the task was created, and then people walked up and went, oh, wait, did we finish the task? Oh,
2: because some people were in we're, a different part.
1: Uh, double-checking clues right. to making sure that we had come to the right conclusion. Which, by the way, that that final... <laughs> Is it even a puzzle? I don't know how you would describe oh, that. It, I mean, it's a puzzle, for it's sure. It's so much fun. Yeah. It is so clever. And it's so different. It's so different. It involves things all over the location. Uh, I freaking love that solution and the way it comes about. Mm -hmm. I I, I was just giggling at one point. Like, this is so funny that this is what we have to do. Um, But I, I wish that we had all come together to do that final solution. And instead... You know, it's like, luckily I was kind of in, in a sight line where I could see the solution about to happen. So I knew that we had achieved what we needed to achieve. But literally it's like, you know, the, you know, Ray walked back in and, and the, the story, like started to wrap up and we had people walk up and go like, oh, wait, did we finish? Right. And yeah, I and, and think I, there is a story tweak that could be done. And I, that I, would I, solve that I see
2: your point because when you're in a, another escape room, you escape. Yeah, and that, exactly. that's the Yeah, we did it. You know, you come out, but here And this did this not is, have that for us. Right. This is well, cuz you're not really
1: escaping. You have to finish the task. And we should have come together as a group to finish the task. Right. But we didn't. And that that was the one problem, and I think there's it could be solved with the story. But that's that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I not disparaging the escape room. I think it's a blast. I think it's incredibly clever in so many ways. I will say one thing that in in a weird way, I wish there was one area of the apartment I wish that you could make more use of. <laughs> I, <it's... laughs> that sounds just bad. So yeah, I, I just, like, I just thought you could have more fun with one area of the apartment. Wasn't that in any apartment <laughs> anyway.
2: Um, but yeah. And, and I mean, and it, you know, I, I joke, but even as someone that doesn't do drugs, like I love this, like even though this is something yeah. that's like, I do not follow. I don't, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like, this is a
1: complete new atmosphere for me. Yeah. I had no idea what we were getting into.
2: Yeah. But I mean, even with that, it, it it's still fun. And you know, the tasks that you have to do, I mean, if you don't do drugs, like, I mean, that's great what you have to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's like, ha, gotcha. So uh, This was a lot of fun. This was a great deal of fun.
2: Yeah. And the puzzles are challenging, but not impossible. You know, there's a, a wide variety of things to unlock. It's not just a lock and key. Um, there's lots of different ways to unlock things. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of things to find, secrets to uncover. This had it
1: all. Yeah. Many secrets to uncover.
2: You talked about me being basically away from the group for for a bit.
1: Yeah. Um, You were concentrating on one thing.
2: Yeah. And I think there, because of that, I think there's room, there's replay value for some people.
1: Yeah, I would like to replay this room and concentrate on different things. Yeah. But also in my situation, I was one of those people running around. I kept finding myself going like, oh, wait, here's additional piece of information for this over here. There's an additional piece of information. I didn't ever have, I think, one thing that I concentrated on until oh, they, okay. I became involved in something near the very end where, like, someone had a piece of information. I had to enact the piece of information, and then we had to tell somebody else the information that we had determined. So I, I was always part of a link in a chain. Got it. So I could very easily go back and and just literally concentrate on other things, including the puzzle I didn't understand. <laughs> At all, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs>
2: okay, good. Well, I hope.
1: Yeah, I think there is replayability. To, to go back to your original point, yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I hope another room opens at some point as well, because I'd like to see a, a following chapter. Or, um, yeah, I believe there the pop up of I think it was Stash House when it was at Think Tank. I think they plan on doing that again. Oh, cool. So, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, if you are an Escape Room fan and you're looking for something new and challenging, definitely check out Stash House. Um, I loved it. Yeah, this was very enjoyable. For more information on Stash House, you can find them on the web at stashhout.se. So basically, it's Stash House. Just put a dot between the U and the S of house um, because the internet is weird and now has dot S E endings. On Facebook, Stash House LA. Also on Instagram and Twitter, Stash House LA. And then, Russell, uh, because your PSVR isn't enough for you, to you have to leave your house and go try more VR at Disneyland.
1: Yes. Um, this is something which I've been really curious about. And a friend of mine was heading down toward Disneyland. And so I joined him. There is a company called The Void, which uh, I know they kind of got a lot of attention because they put up a VR experience in New York when the Ghostbusters sequel came out, Mm -hmm. and they got a lot of attention for that. Well, they have multiple locations, including like New York, Orlando, Florida, London, Disneyland, and Anaheim, California. Uh, They've announced that they're going to open in the Glendale Galleria in the Glendale, California area. So uh, they are a VR experience company where you can go in, and they offer you the chance to do short sometimes intense VR experiences, uh, at Disneyland, uh, they are offering something called star Wars secrets of the empire. So this is a VR experience where you are not just dealing with the VR. There's elements around you. They make use of the environment. You are fitted with a body vest and helmet uh, you are miked, so you can talk to your group members, and if necessary, other characters in the VR experience can talk to you. Uh, for the Star Wars Secrets of the Empire experience, you are allowed four people per group. If you show up and you buy tickets, you might be grouped with people other than people you know, if there's like a, a one person or a single person or something like that. On the day that we went, we ended up being just the two of us Oh wow! in our group. And it, we're, the experience works perfect up to four people. It, it, it's, just, it's, it's just designed that way. The storyline is a very simple mission. You are learning. You need to learn a piece of information and come back with that piece of information. So you go in. You're fitted with the helmet. You're fitted with the the vest. And the vest lets you interact with the environment. And what it does, obviously, is there's sensors and everything in what you're wearing so the environment starts to interact with you which is extremely cool and this becomes a really exciting about 15 minute experience once you're inside the vr itself it's a little bit longer than that with the whole helmet and getting fitted and they introduce the character in advance of Like, one of the characters that you may know from one of the recent movies will tell you what your mission is and what you need to do, what you're looking for. It lays out graphically, like, this is what you need to accomplish. And then they put you in a VR environment. And once you're in the VR environment, you actually enter the Star Wars universe and you go to, you are a member of the Rebel uh, faction. No, Russell. I'm sorry. I was like, I came out wrong. Where do you work? <laughs> and you, the rebel Alliance. Where's that shaking my head emoji? Yeah. You're a member of the rebel Alliance and you have to infiltrate a particular spot on a base. And of course things don't go quite as planned. So here's the cool thing. And I really do not want to spoil this because I know people listening to this podcast go to Disneyland. And, and I know people listening to this will, will partake of this VR experience. It is incredibly fun. And you get to play around in the Star Wars universe. The path is laid out for you. But what happens and how you get from point to point in the path is up to you, like how fast you're doing
2: it. You know why? Because your path is your own.
1: Oh, thank you very much for that. This was a great deal of fun. And the cool thing for me was when I started to realize that the physical environment around me, including, uh, I, I hope I'm not saying too much, unlevel surfaces, like when you have to walk forward, if something, if a door opens in the VR world, you literally walk forward. And the environment changes around you, the VR changes around me, but you have space to walk. And so what happens is if you walk into a room and you have to interact with something, you actually reach out. But it's not like playing a VR video game where you're reaching out and you affect something in the VR world. You reach out, Mike, and you actually physically move stuff. Oh, Okay. And that is utterly fascinating because what you're doing is you're physically changing stuff around you, but you're encountering it in the VR headset. The, the silliest thing, which absolutely there is no plot point to this. There's no reason I'm revealing this other than the fact that it just tickled me to death when I did it. There's one point where you you have to move from one point to another and you stop in a room and I, there was a wall And I, for for a second, I wanted to stable myself, and I I touched the wall, and there was a, like, there was something that wasn't there. It was, I could see something in VR, and it went, oh, like, oh, that's not there. And I turned around, and there was a droid in the room. (laughs) And I went, oh, I have to. And I walked over, and I poked the droid (laughs) on top of the droid's head, (laughs) and the droid was real. The droid was in the room with us. And so I like I literally put my hand on the droid. Did you
2: give it the Death Star plans? So
1: <laughs> I leaned over and gave it a secret message. But uh but no, you you I I literally put my hand on top of the droid. And I was like, wait, this is so cool because you're in VR, you see the droid. That must have messed with your head a bit. Oh, it was so cool. And but there's several times when things like that happen. Uh if you reach out and try to stable yourself on uh, you know, I have a fear of plummeting to my death. You know, you know that about me. Um, so
2: you let so much information out to the public. I in really this podcast. do. <laughs>
1: Jeez. I really. Maybe I should bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is a a spot in this VR experience where you kind of have to face a little bit of that fear, uh, and you reach out, and there's a railing. The railing is there. So when you reach out and touch the railing in VR, you actually touch something in real life as well. Hmm. So the incorporation of the environment is so cool and so precise. And they have fun with temperature. They have fun with noise. Uh, There is one little element, which is sort of a puzzle thing. And I want to say one thing about it. If If you do this experience and you realize that you're about to face a little bit of a puzzle moment, part of the key of that is not to let only one person do it the key is let everyone in the group have a turn and it's designed for that to happen. And it's, there were only two of us. I don't think either of us realized that it's like, it's, it's one of the escape room moments where you go like, Oh, I solved that. Let's move on. And I turned and there was nothing changing. And I went, Oh, we have to do this in multiple ways and multiple times. And, but the key thing was, is I realized that, that that's an opportunity for everyone in a four-person group to have a chance to actually play,
2: right? Okay,
1: and, and yeah, and, it, it, and it's just like so. And the only reason I'm putting it out there it's 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 a it's a little spoilery, but the reason I'm putting it out there is just give everyone in the group a chance to play. If you go through this as a group of four, everyone needs their little time to play. So it was great. I I thoroughly enjoyed this. That's awesome. Highly and recommend. It. Did
2: you have? weapons or anything like was it a game or was it more of just like an experience kind of thing
1: well if you're the rebel alliance and you're sneaking into a secret base i think you're going to encounter resistance
2: because <laughs> the when you started talking about it all i could think about is far point it's like oh my god if you had a gun and you could shoot like oh uh, yeah
1: you you might get to physically pick up a few things and make use of them meets defending the rebel alliance hmm.
2: What if you want to be part of the empire?
1: You can let your fantasy run wild with that. (laughs) It's really fun. I I highly recommend this experience. Is it worth the price? Uh, I believe yes. And the reason I say yes is because they have created an environment, which is a big playground with a, with a footprint that you aren't going to find playing a video game at home, even if you have VR. And because of the, the, the body vest that you have on and the way it interacts with your environment, that's what makes it worth the price of admission for me is because you're not going to get this experience at home. Cool. So yes, absolutely. One weird little customer service thing I will say, uh, we were walk-ups. Uh, we were doing other stuff in that area. We went. We walked up, and we said, "Oh, we'd like to, you know, buy tickets." And they were like, "Oh, well, right now we're sold out until about 6 p.m." And like, "Oh, well, we checked the actual official Disneyland app, and they said that there are tickets available." And they went, "Oh, that's actually a different ticketing system. And if you have your phone, you can purchase. If it shows availability, you can purchase on your phone, and then." bring your phone to us what it was so bizarre yeah we were we were shocked because and the reason we found that out is i made a comment like oh then your phone app is wrong because your phone app is saying that you have tickets available and they went oh well that's a slightly different ticketing system if it's showing on the phone app buy it on the phone app and then come back
0: like that makes uh, no sense
1: whatsoever but it did happen to us okay Sure. So I don't know what that may means or why that happened to us, but it did happen to us. So check the phone app. Buy in advance if you can. If you'd like to learn more about the company, The Void, look up thevoid.com. If you want to learn more about this specific experience, on Facebook, you can look up at The Void, downtown Disney, all one word. On Twitter, uh, check out at VoidVR and on Instagram at VoidVR.
2: And then, Russell, I was out of town, but you got to see our friends, the Bad Boys Magic, do yes. their dirty tricks.
1: Yes. It was awesome. Tell me more. Uh, it was so much fun. And we interviewed those guys before that show, and everything they described in the interview, Mike, like, it was it was exactly what they were picturing.
2: Even wand chasers?
1: So, uh, I have a feeling it might have been a wand chaser oh, or two there. Nice. Um, so... Uh, the lineup—they—they uh, they had a, a mentalism duo on tour from Canada to close the show, which I thought was really interesting that they pulled these people in. their I guess, they're on tour in America. Really interesting mentalism duo, uh, David Kovac, which they had mentioned uh, in in the interview. Who truly Mike my, my kind of humor. He was the one that they they, that they were discussing as sort of like a vaudeville vibe. Mm-hmm completely hysterical to me. I thought that that was, for me, you know, he he was one of the highlights of the evening just simply because his humor was just just exactly my style of humor. Very funny, some really funny sight gags, classic vaudeville-style humor. Um, They described Ithamar Enriquez to us in the interview, and they were having a problem describing what his act is. Once you see it, you know why they're having a problem describing (laughs) it. It is... Everything from hand gestures and hand puppets to sight gags to slapstick to pantomime, physical comedy, audio jokes, Uh, it's truly a unique act. Very, very funny. Lauren Cohen was their walk-around magician who was walking around doing some really clever card stuff. And it was such a strong show for ten dollars and if you follow them you do get discounts and you can find them online that's the best value priced ticket i have seen in a long time that's awesome hands down it's absolutely one of my favorite things i've done so far this year was their show this past month and you already have tickets for march right yes i already have tickets for this. nice i need to get those and they have been extended through may at the three clubs oh awesome congratulations guys yeah absolutely congratulations uh highly recommend the show to people seriously it's like it's a it's a variety hour it's a mixture of the types of acts that you will see get there early because there usually is some kind of walk-around performer someone reading tarot cards there so uh get there early
2: and by the way when i went that first time we we had already talked about this but i just want to say again how much my mind was blown by that close-up magician oh yeah like the card was on the table, yeah. man. <laughs> Come
1: on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Like one of the best values in town, hands down.
2: Question: Did they do the the same things in between the sets, or was, was there new stuff?
1: No, they had new stuff. Rad. Inclu- uh, including a oh, I don't want to I don't want to use that because it's kind of a magic term. Um, oh. There's a they, they did a very clever switch okay plain view that was just like when i they did it and like the whole audience just gasped it was so <laughs> wonderful to like because cause you know mike and magic the gotcha moment mm-hmm. when you realize that you have been completely had yeah you've been completely fooled it's like dan and eric did a routine that the moment came at the end and i was like i cannot believe i missed that i cannot believe it. it's like i have no idea when they achieved what they achieved but when they redid did the reveal at the end, I was like, like, like hats off. Like you got me completely. I fell for that. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It was just, it was so much fun and it was a little gross, which is fine. Perfect. <laughs>
2: uh, and then looking at the March lineup, I mean, we, we've seen John Armstrong like at Fringe. Yes. You know, so we, he's amazing.
1: Yeah. John Armstrong strong. Uh, if, uh, uh, they do have a FISM award winner scheduled, called uh, named Arthur Trace. Uh, they also are having uh, an act named Mystica, and the close-up magician is scheduled to be Robert Marie. Uh, oh, wow, Robert Ramirez! Uh, I know their lineup is a bit subject to change uh, depending on the acts themselves, but that's a strong lineup right there that they have scheduled. And these guys have delivered every time we've seen them. Uh, this is definitely an evening worth checking out,
2: and it's a Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: It makes me wonder if, because you know how TV like always changes things. I wonder if when Game of Thrones and like now that Walking Dead is on, <laughs> I wonder if people will not go, but they should, because you can record that stuff. Yes, you can't can. record this. I mean, you can record this. It's probably up on YouTube right now, but it's not the same. Yeah. You will have the same experience if you record Walking Dead. That's true. But not. Yeah. I'm going to shut up now.
1: Okay. If you'd like more information about the Bad Boys of Magic and their show, Dirty Tricks, uh, go to badboysmagic.com. On Facebook, look them up at New Bad Boys of Magic. On Instagram, Bad Boys Magic, And on YouTube, they do have a channel which we will have a link to in the show notes. Now, Mike, you were unable to make that show. Correct. Because, wait for it.
2: Oh, my
1: good God. Come on.
2: I'm not singing.
1: <laughs> Why not? Really? It's like, you went to New York, dude. Yes, I
2: did. I was so happy that you went to New York. Because <laughs> I was not not here. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I went to New York. Uh, I went for work because I went to Toy Fair because I'm a big, huge toy nerd, and now I get to buy toys And by the way, again. I'm
1: jealous of some of the pictures that you sent me. Yeah. But I'm sorry, I interrupted. You're a big Twitter. Oh, it's okay. Yes.
2: Um. And, wow. I mean, just just that show itself. But I mean, that's work. No one cares about work on the podcast. Um. I finally, finally got to see Sleep No More, and then she fell. Mm-hmm. And now I see what all the hubbub's about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like amazing. And it it's it's insane. And I kept trying to think of metaphors on how to how to say this, but it you know it's like you know, watching a band and then seeing the band they were influenced by finally and seeing like, oh, oh yeah, like they're playing all of their chords perfectly. They, you know, and for this, just the opening of Then She Fell, like that opening monologue, it was just like, holy crap. Like, I get it. Like, I get why everyone talks about this and like, and Sleep No More, same thing. Like, I, I get it, you know, and like, I, I, I had such a fear because I, I feel like I was spoiled by LA because you know how when there's something that's original, people always try to outdo the original. And so my worry was seeing all the things I've seen in LA, like everything from like tension to stuff like the speakeasy society, like Johnny, you know, all of It's like, is this going to have the same impact on me? Like seeing like these first versions basically. And, and it, it did. Um, which I was happy about, because even though it's very, very similar, it's not at all like you can see the tweaks like I saw so much um like thinking about the shows that i've seen in l a it's like I can see oh, you got this from that or this from there and and it was it was kind of it was kind of cool, like actually seeing that um but yeah um I saw, and the the cool thing for me also was going in, not knowing almost anything. I, you know how I am with spoilers. So mm-hmm. even though I never knew when I was going to make it to New York, I never looked up what happened or where to go, like what floor to go to first and sleep no more things like that. Like then she fell. I had no idea it took place in the place it took place in. Yeah. Like I had no idea, you know, and, and I'm so grateful. So if you ever plan on doing that, don't read spoilers because it will have that much of a better impact. Um and then sleep no more. One of the things I told you I was worried about was what if I see nothing. You know, because my only I think it was the only time I've ever experienced like a true open world was the opening weekend of The Purge like 5 or 6 years ago,
1: which they completely changed after the first right weekend because people didn't know how to behave. I think, I, I don't think LA was ready for that. Mm-hmm. And also there were some really awkwardly staged areas in that where people literally couldn't access the scenes.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and it makes me wonder why did not that not work? And I mean, you just told me why, why you think it didn't work, but you know, is it the number of actors? Was it, you know, because in Sleep No More, I, we had talked about it and you even said you might not see anything. You know, there's that yeah, chance, there and is. luckily I did. And I feel like there was enough going on that you could stumble upon something and not have to worry about it. There was a lot of times I spent actually just roaming around looking at the set, just because it was so beautiful.
1: I I did some of that, and also I found myself several times when I went, I stumbled upon the tail end of scenes. Mm-hmm. That happened several times, yeah. and then I would try to follow a character from that into something else which is how i found the uh, the really well-known shaving sequence um which i watched from beginning to end i found that if i remember correctly by finding the tail end of one scene and then following an actor and then i ended up stopping following that actor because i realized that oh there's someone over here setting something up Mm -hmm. you know and then i chose to watch that and i and i got this wonderful sequence out of it just by being patient.
2: Right. And I didn't see that. And actually go, that happened, something happened to me. So I think the first thing I told you when, cause I called you right after I got out because yeah. I was so excited. I was like, my life is complete. I got a one-on-one at sleep no more, uh, you know, like from everything that I've heard. And with, when I walked up and I saw the line to get in, I was like, holy crap, this is going to be miserable. And it wasn't at all like there was a million people there, it seemed, but I was still able to get a one on one due to being patient because right. there was I was watching someone do something and other people, I guess, thought it was boring. Those other people left and that person came and brought me somewhere and, and actually took my mask off. Like, cool. which is it's just like oh my god am I gonna get kicked out you took my yeah. mask off like um but yeah and and of course it, it it's funny because I and I joked with you as well but it's like they knew and they knew what I was into because the one-on-one was about death and you know destruction and stuff and I was just like all right yay sleep no more very funny um but man, like I st- like like there's so many just cool scenes in sleep no more that I was able to see. And, you know, I talked about one scene to you, which I'm going to call the rave scene. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, if that's what people call it, but holy
1: crap,
2: like it was so much darker than I ever thought.
1: Uh, like, yeah, well, it's based on Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. But but
2: because it's, it's so popular and sold out every night and people that don't even really aren't into immersive theater or no, even know what it is go to this over right. and over again, I didn't think it would be that dark for what it was.
0: Mm, okay.
2: You know, um, like there was like I saw bl- like tons of blood and like stuff that you wouldn't really expect to see. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard. To, it's hard to explain, but yeah. And another thing that's, that was really interesting about sleep no more is I've heard people talk that people will get like nasty and like elbow people out of the way. Cause they know where to go for the next scene or something like that.
1: I experienced a little of that. Not, not horrible, but I did experience a little. Of yeah. That. And
2: I saw it too, but it, it's funny watching from afar and watching an actor walk, and then watch people run after him—it's yeah. like y'all are so thirsty. It's like for just for that scene, it's like it's gonna happen. Just I don't know. It was it was just it was odd. Um, and then the ending scene—holy crap! Like that did wow. Like just everything about that, like it was just it was ah. Like I would, I'm replaying that in my mind because just because of how impactful it was and the people in my crowd, like when that, when that final scene happened, there were gasps and screams and, and you know, like it was just, I could see it coming and I was getting giddy because I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> is this really going to happen? Holy crap. And then it happened and it was just like, everyone else was in the crowd was like,
1: <gasps> It, it's We do, we talked a little bit about this when you told me that. I was so happy to hear you say that. Because when I saw it, that scene fell very flat with the audience I saw it with. And I'm willing to say it was probably the audience's fault more than the cast. Mm-hmm. Because the audience just watched it unfold. There was no reaction. And I chose... Th- there, there is sort of a balcony area that you can choose to walk up into to, to observe that scene. Mm -hmm. And I deliberately chose that because I knew from where the stage was, I knew like, okay, I, I can kind of get the feeling that, that, that I think something's going to happen above where these actors are right, where they are right now. So I decided to go up a level and I watched it from up there and I looked down on the crowd and I could just tell people were like, eh, whatever. (laughs) And to the point where when the show ended, I told you this, sort of the Usher characters literally had to explain to a lot of people, like, no, that that really is the end of the show. You need to leave now. And people were going like, what, that's it? That's how flat it fell when I saw it. But I also realized that I, I can look at that scene and remember like, wow, like, this is really powerful. It's just falling flat right now, right in this performance for some some reason i don't know why but so when i heard you describe it and the way you described it was like oh yeah i saw all of those elements but i didn't see i didn't get that emotional hit Mm -hmm. so i was so happy when you said that it was there because i suspected that it could have been and i just didn't get it the night that i went right So, you know, and I just, I don't know why that happened, but it did with me. And that is always been my comparison between Then She Fell and Sleep No More, because those are the two shows in New York that like, if you've seen one, they ask if you've seen the other. Uh, Then She Fell did emotionally hit me very hard. Mm -hmm. Sleep No More, much less. Yeah. I I felt the emotional impact of individual scenes as the show as a whole didn't hit me very hard Mm -hmm. at all. Now I have uh, a question for you now that you've been to sleep no more Mm -hmm. and you brought up like the opening weekend of the purge, which both you and I saw, um, how do you feel about open world environments? Do they work for you in general? Uh, it's hard to
2: say because I had one awesome one and one crappy one, right? You know, I, I like the idea of it. Um, and there's definitely a place for it. Um I don't know. It it there's I like the I like being able to explore and not have to worry about oh I better look at this really quick or cuz I'm going to be taken out of the scene soon. Right. You know, so I liked that aspect of it. I liked in Sleep No More going into, you know, this isn't a spoiler but going into apartments and reading the books. Yes. You know, like the ledgers and stuff like that. Like yeah. that like stuff like that. And on something that's guided, you can't, you don't have that luxury. You, you just have to be like, look around really quick before they take you to the next scene. Um, but as far as story, you know, there's that chance that you will not get any story and you will just look at decorations the whole time. Right. So, but at the same time, you can stumble upon things. And I think that makes those scenes that much more better because you're not expecting it. Like, like I keep, I brought up the rave scene. I stumbled onto that rave scene, not knowing anything just because I saw, you know, two actors talking and what that turned out to be. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like I like, Oh my God. Like that was like, it was, it was basically haunt like cool. Yeah. And if, if, you know, granted that scene would still be cool, but it was so much more cooler that I, I quote unquote, I found it. It it wasn't like you'd be like, here, come over here and stand here. It was just like, it's like, oh, what's happening? Holy crap.
1: Interesting. It, it, I, you know that I am so story focused in general but I totally hear what you're saying, and I totally can relate to it because when I saw Sleep No More, I did stumble upon a couple of key scenes that really heavily affected me, and they were wonderful discoveries. You know, I there, there's a there's a well known moment in Sleep No More where an actor disappears, literally vanishes in the scene, mm-hmm. and I witnessed that, and 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 there were several of us patrons who when the scene ended, we, it's, um, they basically duck behind something mm-hmm. and we went like the, and then something else happens and the scene ends and then we, we literally went to go find that actor and he physically had vanished. <laughs> it, was, it was like a magic trick and we were like, oh, that's such a wonderful touch and it's weird little magical moments like that that in the open world stuff that really do add an air of this is special that I did discover this, that I did find this. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, at that night I was with, you know, two or three other people who saw that one little moment. Right. And so that was special for us that night. So, but and, I,
2: and that's, that's another point. You know, you said you were with two or three people. There were times when I would find a random hallway that led to a random room that nobody else was in. Right. And, I, I did too, yeah. Yeah, and so then you see, you know, if there's an actor there, you know, and then maybe someone else comes. It's like it's such an intimate thing that mm. it's not so much a one-on-one where they take you away, but it's a scene that's being played out because you found it. Right. And that like that and that's pretty cool to to be able to do and not have to worry about, you know, 15 people on a guided tour like fighting for
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and I, um, I, I understand the appeal of the open world aspect and, and I, I don't have a fear of missing out. It's not that that is that, that I'm ref- referencing, but I do like a little bit more meat on the bones, mm-hmm. so to speak. I do like a little bit more story driven aspects of something. And from the open world stuff that I have explored, which is you know, been sleep no more has been the purge has been, well, even if you're in something where you can choose to follow a particular actor toward one end of a scene or another end of a scene, uh, even that is a little bit more story driven, even though it feels like open world. So I prefer story driven stuff and where I'm a little bit led, but there's gotta be a happy medium somewhere, Mm. I think. And, You know, I, I want to go back and see both of these shows again to see how they impact me a few years later. Mm -hmm. And I think I would be probably a little bit more ready for Sleep No More now than when I first did it. Right. Because it was, it was, it was, um, you know, it it was a new world for me when I went to it. Mm -hmm. I had never experienced anything quite like it. So it was very, very new to me.
2: And that's the interesting thing too. Um, with Sleep No More, like I said, like it seems everybody has gone. Uh, even people that aren't, are, are just don't know what immersive theater is. They're just, oh, I heard about this show. I'm going. Right. Um, you know, and then she fell is kind of like, I guess the baby brother to Sleep No More. I mean, is that a fair comparison in a
1: way? Not in my opinion. Okay. Because I love Then She Fell so much. No, <laughs> I know. But
2: but you know what I mean? Like Sleep No More is is like up here and like, Well, as far as, as far as popularity, because, and I say that because I've talked to people that have gone to sleep no more multiple times that have never heard of then she fell. Right. And the person I went with is prime example, lives in Brooklyn, been to sleep no more three times, has never heard of then she fell.
1: Wow. That's interesting.
2: And so I took him to then she fell and he was just like, holy crap. Like, how did I not know this exists? Like, This is amazing.
1: Well, two different companies mm-hmm. and two different styles. So, And you're right. Uh, Sleep No More gets much more publicity. And also, they're putting hundreds of people through their stores. Mm-hmm. What was it? 12 per yeah, audience? Yeah, 12 or 15. Yeah, 12 or 15 audience members for Then She Fell, which is a very different experience. Yeah. And but... it is a lead experience. and But it's also much more intimate overall than sleep. No more. Oh
2: yeah. And, and then she fell it. I mean, it's apples and oranges comparing the two.
1: Yeah. I agree. Um, I agree completely,
2: but I loved then she fell so much. And there is just the choreography of like the, the dancing. And uh, I will say dueling at one point, I just explained off the mic to Russell a scene I was talking about. And apparently he didn't see it,
1: which I am familiar with that scene. I know the scene you're talking about. Oh
2: my God. So I thought, I thought it was like they would switch, switch out. And so like this group saw it this time and then this group would see it another time.
1: No. Uh, then she fell is the, the track that you're on is based on where you are in the first room. Right. And when you leave that first room, uh, were you, did you leave that room fairly early?
2: Uh, I think it was maybe the third group.
1: Ah, okay. I was the final group. Okay. So I was on a very different track. And, uh, yeah, we've compared a couple of things. Um, as far as choreography goes, uh, I want to ask, did you ever watch a couple dance through a two-way mirror? Uh, no. Okay. Because that, that is, <laughs> that, that's like one of the most erotic oh, things. Wait.
2: Um,
1: in... Now we're getting really oblique. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I've, I've definitely seen. I thought I saw something like that, but I can't. It wasn't erotic. So
1: this was, uh, this was downstairs. Yeah, yeah, and there, there was this really sexy, like sort of courtship between a man and a woman that I witnessed there. Okay, was just like I, I freaking love that scene. I did
2: not see that, but yeah. um, but going back to the choreography of what you didn't see, that yeah. I thought yes. you may have. My like, it, yeah. That was the price of the ticket. Just seeing the way that was worked out between these two, these—I'm not calling them characters—between these two people, <laughs> and the fact that at any moment either one of them could get seriously hurt. Right. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. And that—that's what ups the ante about all of this.
1: Uh, I the thing that I loved about then she fell are the wonderful little moments where your path changes. Mm-hmm. And I, I've described this moment to you before, but and then she fell. There was a moment where, um, I wound up being told a bedtime story with one other patron. And then a third patron was brought in to that room and we were woken up, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, and gotten out of bed and we were being led down a hallway and, the character of the Mad Hatter was leading us and then turned to me and said, oh, no, 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 no. This is not meant for you. You have to find another doorway. And it just so happened that the way it was choreographed and the way it was blocked out is I was standing near another door. And I turned and I, and I just like, I guess I'm leaving now. And I opened this door and I opened the door and the queen was behind the door. You know, and like, and I, she pulls me in and there's this whole sequence that I had with no one else, but the queen and Mm -hmm. me, you know, and we, and it involved cards because obviously that's Alice in Wonderland is where this is all coming from. So, and and
2: if there's, there's so much fun stuff in there too, Oh um, just because of that. And, you know, you, like you had that with the queen. I had, I also had a experience with the queen, but what was the highlight for me of, like with like a one on one was with the Cheshire Cat,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know we played the the you know p- find which cup is this under and you know like oh, did that awesome. and like because there, there was there was something and what I needed for that something she had I put it under the cup and then did did that game right and I chose correctly so each time. Right.
1: Yeah, I think Then She Fell is designed to have multiple one-on-ones. I think it's designed to be a much more intimate show. And I think that's why I gravitate toward it mm-hmm. more than Sleep No More. Right,
2: yeah. And I definitely loved that attention. I mean, who doesn't love... You know, if you're into this art form, of course you're going to love
1: yeah, getting and, one,
2: multiple one-on-ones in a show.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've and i told you the story that, you know, I, I took someone to one of the Speakeasy shows. Um, this came up when we interviewed the Speakeasy crew. It's it like that... I brought someone to their show that, that became extremely uncomfortable because they absolutely cannot handle immersive theater. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that until she got in the middle of the first Johnny show. Right. And it, like she had no idea. And afterward, the show was over. You know, she came to me and she said, you have to explain to me what happened in that one sequence. And I said, but the actor was talking directly to you. And she said, yeah, I don't remember anything. Hmm. because the attention that intimacy is not what she wants from theater right. it's not what she wants from an entertaining event or an entertainment experience you know she wants distance between her and that mm-hmm. so it was fascinating for me to to actually encounter someone that is a friend of mine who really had an issue with that you know and a person like that it would be in hell and then she fell mm-hmm. it would it would be horrifying
2: and it's it's interesting too because this is definitely an i i'm assuming this is everywhere um like don't touch the actors all of that but it, i feel it just because I've, I've been in la it's like that's so prominent yeah that didn't seem prominent in new york like i don't remember them saying like don't touch the actors like specifically really um, and and maybe it's my memory but i don't I can't think of a time when that was said. And I bring that up because in my, I had a one-on-one with Alice and I brushed her hair. Right. You know, and it's like, and at first I, you know, I grabbed her hair and like held it as I brushed it. But then I was like, Oh wait, I probably shouldn't be doing this. And then yeah. I just like, I just started brushing it.
1: Oh, interesting. I seem to recall because then she fell. And also then she fell. I felt was so well handled. As far as because then she is a show where you are offered food and drink mm-hmm. and they are very good and upfront of saying, like, if you have allergies, this is what you're going to be dealing with. If you have if you don't drink alcohol, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, is, is a factor here, they just refuse the drink. And that's the first time I'd ever seen a show do that. And I think it's a very intelligent move.
2: Yeah, because especially for me, because I don't drink in any other show, I would think that would ruin my path. Or that would alter it. Right. But here they make it up front, basically saying, no, it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's okay to say no. And um, I I seem to recall there being instructions about that at Then She Fell. I I really do. I, I think there were instructions. Um, I I think in Los Angeles, we are dealing with an explosion Mm -hmm. of immersive theater. And I think those rules are still being worked out. I think safety is still being worked out on both sides of the fence as patrons approaching this art form and as far as creators approaching this art form. And uh, I know I've had some behind the scenes conversations with a couple of creators recently. Um, One in particular who uh, has created one... Show here in Los Angeles. And the conversation he wanted to have with me is about how much do you disclose in advance? Like, how do you set the mood? What do you put in a waiver? And we're having those conversations. And what I'm finding is that he is far more conservative than I am. And I'm fairly conservative when it comes to things like that and you know he's talked to me about shows that he's been to in the past that he's had things upsetting happen or he thinks that think lines were crossed that should have been discussed in advance and i hear that and go like no that's that's not crossing a line in my opinion it's like i was prepared for that to happen to me when i attended that particular show mm-hmm. so it's it's been an interesting conversation i think it's still evolving here in los angeles i also think perhaps in new york I don't know, would they be more prepared for live one-on-one excursions because it's more of a quote, cliche theater town than Los Angeles is?
2: It's possible, yeah.
1: I don't know. You know, and it's like, and I am not disparaging the LA theater group in any way. You know, it's just like, I I just think theater, uh, New York has the theater rep. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think L.A. has been shortchanged for many years on that front.
2: Well, and we had talked about that a little bit during Fringe Fest um, where you had said, I forget exactly what was said, but basically traditional theater people will go to things like Sleep No More and then She Fell and not think about it, but in LA, it's very, it's still very like separated, like the traditional theater people and the immersive stuff really doesn't cross over yet. Well,
1: you know that I, I subscribe to several different seasons of, uh, standard theaters Mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles. And when I have those conversations with theater people at those events, I am always surprised if I bring up an immersive event where some of those theater people will literally the first thing will go like, can they touch you? I'm out. Right. Because they do not want that wall. They want to sit in a seat and watch something on Mm -hmm. a stage 20 feet away.
2: And in New York, they're used to being mugged. So (sighs) it's easier. You said that I didn't. So, uh,
1: I, 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 my favorite portion, I think of, of, you know, and I made a joke with Noah Nelson. Uh, you and I went over and visited his podcast at one point and we were talking about the shows and I said at the end of Then She Fell, um, or maybe it was when he was on our podcast, that, that I reached a point at the end where I actually, because you're not supposed to speak. Mm-hmm. And I actually said to an actor, I said, I don't want to leave because I was so convinced that the actor was in danger right. of hurting himself. It was like I, I, In that moment, it became real that this person may be suicidal. And I and I witnessed that, and it was so disturbing to me. And it was a it was a dictation scene where I was asked to dictate the final letter mm-hmm. that influences that show. Oof! And it's like, yeah, wow. Even just saying that, it's like, I don't know if you saw it in my face, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, just just that moment of, you know. And and I was asked. I said, "What are your dictation skills like?" And I said, "I I." Don't think they're very good, but I will try for you. And then when I he started reciting, and I started write and I literally had to dictate this letter, and it was the final goodbye of the entire show, and it was the final scene of my show that I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. And it, it took place in this amazing set, this beautiful set. And, you know, when they came to get me, it was like, I said, think, no, it's like, I, what, I, uh, what about, uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't, you know? And they were like, no, no, we'll take care of him. And, you know, and I was like, at least they, th-, and they were smart enough to realize why I was doing it. Like that, that I was so emotionally involved in that yeah. moment. Um, but for a show to have that kind of impact, you know, and I am, I am so overjoyed that it had impact like that for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was very impactful. <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> so,
2: but yeah, I'm glad I finally I finally was able to see them. Like I don't have to like wonder anymore.
1: Yeah. It's like I am so well you know that I was very happy for you. Mm-hmm. So, um I was so happy when you called me after <laughs> i was so happy cuz I wanted to know so badly. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, those are those are shows to aspire to getting a chance to see at some point in your life. Yeah. Now, um, I noticed on the website for Then She Fell that they have once again announced a potential closing date, and they have done that a couple of times, mm-hmm. so I don't know when the show's going to officially close, but, you know, if you are looking to get to New York to see Then She Fell, act sooner rather than later if you can. Yeah,
2: and buy tickets way in
1: advance. Yeah, you had a little struggle getting tickets for the weekend that you were there, right? Yeah,
2: it was weird because the weekend I was there, no tickets were on sale. Then randomly one day, Sunday night was on sale. And then the next day, Friday night was on sale. And then like a few days later, Saturday was. So it was, I don't know how they released tickets, but it just seemed odd. And it wasn't one or two, it was the full show. Oh, that's interesting. So I don't know if maybe they just planned on not being open or something, but...
1: But I will say something very similar happened to me. The very first time I saw then she fell, I was going to New York and trying to get tickets and trying to get tickets and trying to get tickets. And I'd given up. And then someone in New York messaged me and went check now because they knew that I'd been looking for tickets. And I sure enough, like the one night I was free in New York, they had opened a series of tickets. Nice for that night, and I grabbed one immediately. And it was yeah. It was a very heavy weekend because i still sleep no more and then she fell on the same weekend like you did so Mm -hmm. um and blackout so uh yeah it's like i'm so incredibly happy that you have seen these two shows yeah thanks me too because i knew that you would appreciate them
2: yeah and that exactly that's exactly it like i get it Mm. yeah uh, yeah, so for if you're traveling, uh, try and see these shows uh, for more information. Uh, sleep no more, go to mckittrickhotel.com. And that's M C K I T T R I C K H O T E L dot com. Um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, The McKittrick. Uh, for Then She Fell, go to thenshefell.com. On Facebook, then she fell. On Instagram, then she fell NY. And on Twitter, then she fell. So that's all the stuffs that we've done.
1: Yes, that's all the stuffs that we've done. But we're becoming more and more aware of stuffs that we might do soon. Yes, there's stuffs happening. So, yes. So uh, one thing that we want to mention is Reign of Terror Haunted House. Uh... We love Reign of Terror Haunted House. It is one of the largest, most beautiful, coolest haunted houses in Southern California. They have announced that they're going to be open for a special event on Saturday, March 10th uh, from 7 to 11 p.m. It is a special event where proceeds from the event are going to be donated to benefit the Thomas Fire Victims, which is one of the major fires that have happened here in the Los Angeles area in the last year. Uh, Ticket prices will be around $20 general admission and $34 VIP Express entry. uh, And they are sold in hourly increments. I noticed that they have time slots that you can buy into a certain hour. Uh, We would very much recommend if you've never had the chance to see Reign of Terror during the haunt season because you've been too busy during the haunt season, now is your chance. Reign of Terror is so worth the drive out uh, it's, it's, it's such a fun, fun haunted house, uh, lots of animatronics, lots of good art direction. Uh, they absolutely have a blast and their production design is stellar. So if you want more information on this event, go to rothauntedhouse.com on Facebook at ROT haunted house and also on Instagram and Twitter ROT haunted house.
2: Um and then Russell uh at Fringe Fest this this past year, we saw nothing bad, a werewolf rock musical yes, we that did. we both enjoyed. Yeah. Um the creators of that show have an immersive show that they are doing. Um and it's going to be in three chapters. Chapter one is called Justine.
1: Actually, the show itself is called Captivated and Obsession in Three Acts.
2: And the description is pretty interesting um for for the the series. It sounds like it's going to be a psychological horror. Presented in an unconventional manner and reminiscent of classic tales of horror, captivated, an obsession in three acts promises to be immersive, intriguing, and intimate. And you get pizza.
1: (laughs) Chapter (laughs) one is apparently a pizza party. Uh, with uh, you and a couple of other people and your friend, Victoria. Drinks and food will be provided, it says. So uh, if you would like more information on this show uh, as a show overall and also chapter one, uh, you can look up theyplayed.com. The name of the company presenting this is called They Played Productions. And you can also look up They Played on Facebook as well. Tickets are available on brown paper tickets and you will find links to the tickets uh, at those sites
2: and the show notes
1: and the show notes too. And something that I have done, Mike, that we really haven't talked about. uh, (laughs) That's a lot
2: of things. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you want that on a podcast. So
1: uh, something that I'm willing to admit on the podcast publicly, uh, Scream LA, which for those of you who don't know, Scream LA is a annual film festival here in Los Angeles. Uh, it is a horror film festival. It takes place in October this year. It will be happening October 9th through the 18th, and it will be happening in Hollywood. Uh, They have been doing a series of anniversary screenings, and uh, friends and I have attended the last two, which were Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, and uh, just last week I went and saw A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Uh, both of those had Q and A's with the directors of the film, uh, John Carl Buechler or Beekler, depending on who you talk to, uh, the director of Friday the 13th part seven and nightmare on Elm Street four was directed by Rennie Harlan. Both of the directors were there for Q and A's almost the full cast was there for each of those screenings. Screenfest has been organizing these screenings and they have one coming up in March, uh, they're having a 25th anniversary screening of Leprechaun on St. Patrick's Day. That's amazing. Uh, Which is uh, just shaping up to be really, really fun. For more information on the upcoming screenings and other things throughout the year, check ScreenFest LA out at ScreenFestLA.com. On Facebook and Twitter, you can look them up at ScreenFest on Instagram, at LA. And like I said, these uh, screenings, the last couple that I've been to have been a blast. The Q&As have been absolutely fascinating to hear some of the tales behind the scenes so many years later. And I, w- I will say this on these films, it's kind of cool to see something on a big screen, Mike, that's practical effects.
2: Oh, definitely.
1: And particularly, uh, you know, the Friday the 13th series is that particular film didn't have a lot of gore or anything present in it. But the Dream Master, the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, had so many inventive practical effects on display in that movie it was a blast watching that on a big screen again so yeah definitely check out com. see what they've got coming up including the leprechaun 25th anniversary screening uh i'm sure during the year you'll find something you will want to attend absolutely yep is that it yeah that's it for now okay cool that's actually a fuller plate than i expected
2: yeah Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up at Russell at MyHauntLife.com with two S's and two L's. I'm Mike at MyHauntLife.com. Find us on the web at MyHauntLife.com and on all the social medias, including YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at MyHauntLife. Leave us a text or voicemail on the haunt line. And don't worry, no one answers, so you can just call and not have to worry about talking to either one of us. Um, because that's scary in its own right. Um, but 515 Haunt LA. And that's about it for now. For now, yeah. Yeah. I'm Mike.
1: And I'm Russell. See ya. Get out. Mm. We're done. For- Which uh, we've gotten an episode of that Or an issue of that episode before in the past (laughs) An episode of that magazine in the past An
2: issue of that episode? Yes,
1: an issue of that episode (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) Alright, hold on, give
0: me just a second Let me regroup